It's 6 p.m. and you are tuned to your community radio station, KVMR-FM Nevada City, KCPC Camino. Today is Wednesday, March 15th. I'm Kelly Reese and this is your KVMR Evening News. In a move straight out of a Jason Bourne movie, a citizen group using digital forensics traced a right-wing extremist to the Golden State. The California Report has more on this story. After local news and weather, atmospheric scientist Dr. Jonathan Rutz from the Scripps Institute's Center for Western Weather and Water Extremes joins KVMR science correspondent Al Stoller to talk atmospheric rivers. We close with a commentary by Grass Valley resident Shirley Frerichs, who asks, do you know what your money's bankrolling? This is the California Report. I'm Saul Gonzalez in Los Angeles. President Biden wrapped up a trip to California yesterday by visiting Los Angeles County's Monterey Park. That's the largely Asian-American city where in January, a gunman killed 11 people and wounded nine others. President Biden used the visit to sign a gun control executive order. LAist reporter Aaron Stone has more. More than 200 people, mostly from Monterey Park and nearby communities, came to hear the president speak. After sharing the names and stories of each victim, Biden discussed his executive order, which strengthens existing background check laws, among other things. 16-year-old Austin Law lives nearby. Just a few weeks ago, his school was put on lockdown due to a potential shooter. I think that it's a good step forward, but there's a lot more that needs to be done, especially with assault rifles or assault weapons. Just a few weeks ago, his school was put on lockdown due to a potential shooter. To cheers from the crowd, Biden called on Congress to pass legislation for universal background checks and a ban on military-style assault rifles. Maria Leong was grateful for the president for coming. She's the owner of the dance studio where the shooting occurred and says this devastating tragedy doesn't define her home of Monterey Park. I hope all the Asian immigrants and all uh, communities, that you should not let this tragedy uh, put you down. Let your dreams fly and still, you know, do whatever you like. For the California Report, I'm Aaron Stone in Monterey Park. Later today, Bay Area air quality regulators will vote on a proposal to ban gas furnaces and water heaters in the region. KQED's Laura Clivens has more. The rules would begin a phase-out of the sale and installation of these appliances in 2027. They would not only apply to new construction, but also to replacing old appliances when they break, in both homes and commercial spaces. They do not include gas stoves. The regulations aim to reduce air pollution from nitrogen oxide. Fernando Gaetan is an attorney with environmental group Earth Justice. While we're talking about two basic appliances that many of us take for granted in our homes, They have tremendous implications, not only from an emissions perspective, but also from a public health perspective. Opponents to the rule say it will be costly for people to replace appliances with electric versions and might force them to upgrade an entire electric panel. For the California Report, I'm Laura Clivens. Police in Europe suspect a former San Diego resident was part of an anti-Semitic incident that took place at the Anne Frank House in Amsterdam last month. iNews source investigative reporter Jill Castellano has the story from San Diego. In February, an anti-Semitic message appeared on the house in Amsterdam where 13-year-old Anne Frank started writing her diary about her experience during the Holocaust. Someone used a laser to project the blue text on the building that claimed Anne Frank was the inventor of the ballpoint pen. 
a reference to a false conspiracy theory that alleges her diary was a hoax. When one group of citizen sleuths heard about what happened, they set out to find the person responsible. And that totally caught our attention. That's Mary, the founder of Capital Terrorists Exposers, a group that uses digital forensic techniques to track down right-wing extremists. We agreed not to use her last name to protect her safety. Mary said she and her team found the original video of the incident that appeared online, which was posted by someone with a strange profile name. His uh, nickname was uh, Arian Bacon. Arian Bacon. That's the online name used by 41-year-old Robert Wilson. He's a member of the Goyam Defense League, a hate group responsible for hundreds of anti-Semitic propaganda campaigns across the U.S. Wilson was facing hate crime charges in San Diego County, but he escaped to Poland last year. Since then, he has continued to post lots of videos on social media, and Mary was able to use them in her research. If you have a person who is known, who has a lot of footage... Yeah, that's very easy, right? So you're going to look like, oh, what does he look like? What kind of clothes does he wear? Or, you know, yeah, you try to profile somebody. Mary said she traced the route Wilson took from Poland through Germany all the way to Amsterdam in the days before the incident at the Anne Frank house. She even found the gas station where he refueled on his drive. And then we had the gas station in Germany. Yeah, when I added up those places, I just saw one straight line to Poland and then I was totally convinced. When Mary compiled all of her team's research and gave it to the Amsterdam police, they sent her an email complimenting her work. And then he said, like, uh, we were on the same trail. The police told her they had ended up with the same suspect, van, and route as her. The message was a relief. And it's very, very encouraging, of course. You know, then that you just have to wish that your research gets used or will arrive yeah, in the, the place where it needs to be. The police would not confirm the name of the suspect for a news source, but they recently told a Dutch newspaper they believe the suspect is not residing in the Netherlands and, quote, if he shows up within our borders, we will arrest him. Mary, who lives in the Netherlands, said she's glad the police are taking the case seriously. It isn't a joke. This is serious what they're doing. And uh, I cannot sit still. I cannot let it go. For the California Report, I'm Jill Castellano in San Diego. That story is part of an ongoing partnership between KQED and iNewsource. It's a nonprofit news organization in San Diego. Support for the California Report comes from Stanford Medicine, comprising its School of Medicine and Adult and Children's Health Systems, working together to advance knowledge and improve lives. StanfordMedicine.org. The California Healthcare Foundation, listening to Black Californians, a new study on how the healthcare system undermines their pursuit of good health. On the web at chcf.org backslash LBCA. And Eric and Wendy Schmidt, whose philanthropy includes 11th Hour Racing, working to connect sustainability with sport to help restore ocean health. On the web at 11thHourRacing.org. And finally this morning, let's do a bracket check. And no, I'm not talking about the NCAA and March Madness. My colleagues here at the California Report are tracking a bracket contest for the best city in California. One recent matchup was between Los Angeles and Sunnyvale. Even though LA won that battle, Sunnyvale Council member Elisa Cisneros says her city will always be a winner in her eyes. If you're from the Bay, beat LA and vote for the city that 
is under the radar, but is a very well-functioning city and whose leaders are going to engage with you all the time. The Best California City Voting continues, and you can place your vote on Twitter at Gray. Stay tuned for more people talking about why their cities should take the crown. And that's today's The California Report. We're a production of KQED Public Radio. I'm Saul Gonzalez. Thanks for listening, and have a great day. Let's take a look at today's local news. A public safety notice has been issued to avoid Nevada irrigation ditch canals as extensive work to repair storm damage proceeds. NID requests that people keep off its canal berms and associated water system infrastructure as crews continue to repair the extensive damage caused by recent storms. NID's open ditch canals traverse roughly 475 miles. The agency says they're working mile by mile to assess and repair damage, which includes a substantial number of fallen trees, hidden obstacles, erosion, and sedimentation. Now on to your local forecast from the National Weather Service. Sunny skies are back, at least for a little. We'll see dry weather through early Friday. Then that precipitation returns over the weekend, with potentially another strong storm heading our way early next week. For those in Grass Valley and Nevada City, tonight clear with a low around 34 degrees. Thursday, sunny with a high near 55. Thursday night will be mostly clear with a low around 35 degrees. For Truckee and Lake Tahoe, tonight mostly clear with a low around 14 degrees. Thursday, sunny with a high near 41. Thursday night is mostly clear with a low around 16. And in Sacramento and Woodland, tonight mostly clear with a low around 37 degrees. Thursday, sunny with a high near 63. And to round out the trifecta, Thursday night in Sacramento will also be mostly clear. Expect a low around 41 degrees. You're listening to the Evening News on KVMR. Sticking on theme with weather content, California has seen atmospheric river after atmospheric river drench chunks of the state recently. Why does this weather phenomenon suddenly seem so popular? Atmospheric scientist Dr. Jonathan Rutz from the Scripps Institute's Center for Western Weather and Water Extremes joins KVMR science correspondent Al Stoller to talk atmospheric rivers. Is there something about the atmosphere this year that's causing us to get so many atmospheric rivers? That's sort of the million-dollar question, and I think that as the next few months go by, there will be a lot of studies done to try to understand what was going on with the large-scale atmospheric circulation that made these events so prevalent this year. Typically, to produce these, these really strong atmospheric rivers that are going to deliver a lot of precipitation to California, they benefit from two things. One of them is sort of uh, the energy that's typically associated with the jet stream. And the other is the moisture that's typically more associated with the subtropics. Now, what usually happens is that that jet stream energy is kind of further north across like the Pacific Northwest, like Oregon and Washington. And that subtropical moisture is further south, like Southern California and points south. I mean, thinking like subtropics, places south of like 25 degrees north latitude, something like that. There have been an unusual number of instances this year where the way the pattern has organized itself over the Pacific We've had both that stronger jet stream energy coming further south toward California and that higher moisture content from the subtropics coming north 
toward California. So that really potent combination of those two factors that usually are a little more disconnected, but have, have often been very much connected this year. I think, I think at a very high level, that can explain why there have been so many of these this year. It takes more than just a mass of moist air to produce rain and snow. That moist air must be cooled, must be chilled, much like you chill air by blowing it to a freezer and producing a small cloud with your breath. A common way to cool air is to lift it upward. The storm can lift the air upward by something called the warm conveyor belt. The warm conveyor belt is, is something that was essentially identified in, in the 70s. This feature within extratropical cyclones, many, um, many of them, but not all of them, typically the stronger ones, it's an area just south and east of the low pressure, usually where the air, the warm air is rising very rapidly over the warm front. In some cases, the warm conveyor belt isn't what produces the precipitation because the atmospheric river just runs into a mountain boundary. And when the atmospheric river runs into a mountain boundary, like the Sierra Nevada, for example, that is as effective or more effective at lifting and condensing that water vapor within the AR as like a warm conveyor belt or the storm itself would be. So you don't even really need a warm conveyor belt, for instance, to get heavy precipitation in the Sierra Nevada. If you just point the atmospheric river directly at those mountains, that air will be forced to rise. It'll cool, it'll condense, and all of the moisture will, will condense into snow and rain and fall out. John, it's been really good talking with you. Thank you very much. It's been my pleasure. Thank you, Alan. I'm speaking with Dr. Jonathan Rutz of the Center for Western Weather and Water Extremes. That's with Scripps Institution of Oceanography at UC San Diego. For KVMR, I'm Al Stoller. We close with a commentary from Shirley Frerichs. Frerichs is a member of Nevada County Climate Action Now and is chair of the Waste Not Committee. Might your money be inadvertently bankrolling the climate crisis? How we use our money and the institutions to which we entrust it matters, the governments, banks, and financial companies. Have you looked to see how your bank is investing your money? Is it funding fossil fuel extraction projects or new fossil fuel-based plastic production facilities or other issues you would not want it invested in? If you care about the health of our environment to support the citizens of the future, you might want to find out how your bank invests your money. The science is clear. To avoid the irreversible climate devastation that will result from overshooting 1.5 Celsius of global warming, we must end all new investment in fossil fuel projects immediately and begin to phase out production. Several climate scenarios suggest that the world needs to be investing $4 in renewable energy for every $1 invested in fossil fuels by 2030. As Bloomberg News recently reported, if the financial services industry was a nation, it would be the fifth biggest emitter on earth. You can stand up for your money to be used to find solutions rather than the causes of our climate crisis. This stance is even stronger when many of us talk to our banks and write to the CEOs of the four big banks that invest the most in fossil fuel extraction. Bank of America, Chase, Citi, and Wells Fargo are the biggest. This kind of mass pressure from customers can speak loudly to get them to defund fossil fuels, or at least lessen their investments, as was promised in the Paris Agreement. Please know that there are financial institutions that do align with climate protection values, usually local banks and credit unions. Besides this, 
Let's look at the devastating effects of fossil fuel extraction on our lands and in our waters. Have you seen a picture of what fracking does to the earth? It's sickening to me. And then there's the displacement of the wild creatures from their lands. The Center for Biological Diversity says global warming threatens to accelerate the extinction crisis. The highest and best use of our public lands and oceans is to provide safe harbor for diverse species by protecting the ecological systems upon which they and we ultimately depend. Have you heard about the Willow Project planned in Alaska on our public lands? We give the national government our money to help us in our lives and our livelihoods, not to destroy a huge piece of pristine land. By the administration's own estimates, the project would generate enough oil to release 9.2 million metric tons of planet-warming carbon pollution a year. Do we really need that? As a conscious citizen who loves our nature, please consider banking on our future, not on the past, and not on more destruction to our Earth. It's one big cycle of influence, from our money to funding fossil fuel extraction to air, land pollution, to eventually harming our health and the health of the ecosystems that support us with water and food and more. The views and opinions expressed on this program are those of the speaker only and not necessarily those of KVMR, its staff, management, board, or contributors. That's our newscast for March 15. Visit us online at kvmr.org and connect with us on Facebook and Instagram. We also have a Twitter account, too. KVMR gets support from generous listeners like you and Four Paws Animal Clinic. Dr. Susan Murphy and Sue Lester and staff are proud to support KVMR, providing medical, dental, alternative, and surgical services for cherished companions. On Searles Avenue, Nevada City, fourpawsac.com and Sierra Ambulatory Surgery Center, LLC, providing outpatient ophthalmic surgical procedures, interventional pain management, also surgeries of the foot and ankle since 2006. On Sierra College Drive, Grass Valley, Sierra Ambulatory Surgery Center at sasconline.com. The KVMR Evening News is produced by KVMR News Director Claudio Mendoza. Thanks for tuning in. I'm Kelly Reese, signing off. Join us Thursday at 6 for another edition of the KVMR Evening News.